You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Tuesday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there wherever you might be in Cougar Nation. Today is a special episode. Looking back in the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown at the mythical 1984 season, BYU in that national championship. We'll share some thoughts on that. Get some thoughts from a guy who was right there in the thick of it, Mel Olson, the offensive line coach for BYU that year, will rejoin the program to talk about that victory in the Holiday Bowl that sealed BYU's national championship. And, of course, we will catch you guys up on everything else going on in BYU sports news. A lot to get to ahead on this podcast. It is going to be an absolute blast to be with you guys. It's all brought to you today by our title sponsor, Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, without further ado here on a Tuesday, let's dive in and get into it. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 13th, 2021. What's good, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. If you guys are new to the show, talking about 1984 ahead on the podcast, Thanks for joining us, plain and simple. Thank you for taking some time. Hopefully you'll be back often to join us every single day. We do this podcast daily, Monday through Friday, talking all things BYU sports. This offseason, we've been going back to the BYU annals of history, talking about the 100 seasons the BYU football program has played to this point in their football playing history as a way to get us ready for the upcoming 2021 season. And I cannot thank you guys enough for the support of the podcast. Your guys' message talking about how much you appreciate me doing the research for this has been absolutely made it worth it. Plain and simple. It's made it worth it to do what I do. So if you don't mind, something you can help out the podcast is to leave us a rating interview, especially on Apple Podcasts. Those five-star ratings, they really mean the world. They're the lifeblood of a podcast. The algorithms that Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers use, they look at how much people are interacting with the show on the podcast apps they're listening on. And in Apple Podcasts, case when you guys leave those ratings and reviews they make them more apt to share this podcast it pops up in other people's feeds saying hey you may be interested in this and vice versa it helps us find BYU fans so your guys support is absolutely critical to this venture and like I mentioned if you guys are new to the show thank you for taking the time. All right, kicking off today's show, it's going to be a little bit longer edition of the 100 seasons of BYU Football Countdown because we are talking 1984, the mythical season. BYU runs the table, comes out of seemingly nowhere, and captures their first and only national championship in the FBS ranks. And it's one of those seasons that will forever be debated by fans of all varieties, but in particular, I think the biggest thing about BYU is that the one thing, if you're a BYU fan about 1984, you don't have to ever defend. You don't have to defend the fact that the national media voted BYU the unanimous national champion in 1984. If you have some fan of a certain other program, Utah, Utah State in particular, all you got to do is say, you know what? 
I didn't name BYU national champions. How about you go talk to the sports writers nationwide who named the Cougars the national champions that season? You have to have good fortune, obviously, to win a national championship. There is no doubt about that. You have to have teams in front of you lose. You have to win all of your games. Everything fell into place in 1984 for BYU to come out on top and celebrate with that national championship. It took a lot of breaks going their way, but that's how it is in almost every sport and every team's opportunity to win championships. Sands some teams who just are loaded and they can't seemingly be stopped. This was a BYU team, folks, that going into 1984, it very much felt like more of a 1982 situation where BYU was coming off a record-setting quarterback, speaking of Jim McMahon, and then going into 1982, a guy like Steve Young steps in, and you're not exactly sure what you're going to get. Well, Steve Young led BYU to an 11-1 record in 1983, and in 1984, he moved on, was the first overall pick in the USFL expansion draft, uh, expansion draft, the USFL draft overall, ultimately ended up uh, being part of that until it folded, then joined the NFL ranks. But him leaving BYU left a sizable hole at quarterback. BYU had had four straight quarterbacks be All-Americans and now enter Robbie Bosco into the fray. And Bosco was a junior at this point. He had bided his time on BYU's depth chart, had been Steve Young's primary backup during the 1983 season, saw some spot duty during that campaign, mainly in garbage time. But he entered the season as BYU's quarterback, and a lot of people were saying, who is this guy? Well, all he did was go out and put together an absolutely phenomenal season, ended up being a top, I think it was top three in the Heisman Trophy balloting that season. When you lead a team to a national championship and an undefeated record, you're going to get plenty of attention. But Robbie Bosco really... Uh, stepped in at the right time, had the right guys around him, and BYU as a team didn't necessarily have the same type of star power that other teams before them, going back to 1979, the 1980, 81, and even 83 teams, they seemed to have more proven stars on this team, but 1984 broke the way that BYU needed them too. They started the year, and this is a history tidbit for you guys if you have not heard, is their first game of the season was at number 3 Pittsburgh in Pitt Stadium out there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it was the first game ever televised live on ESPN. Yes, BYU and the Pitt Panthers were part of history for ESPN becoming the first live broadcast of college football on the worldwide leader in sports. BYU is expected to get absolutely pummeled in this game by the Panthers. Pitt was number three entering the season, thought to be a national championship contender. Well, what did BYU do? They go out to Pitt and win the game 20-14. to Bosco found Adam Haysbert on a 51-yard touchdown pass that sealed the win for BYU, put them up put them up 20 to 14. BYU's defense had to rise to the occasion to finish the job off and that's going to be actually a thing about the 1984 season is that BYU's defense was very very stout. Now after that victory an unranked BYU team did enter the national rankings and never left the rankings after that obviously as you win all of your games. The following week they came home to face off against Baylor got revenge for that loss in the season opener in 1983 with a 47 to 13 route as the number 13 team in the country. 
and then BYU jumped into the top 10 in week three of the season as they hosted Tulsa in Provo, won that game 38-15, to and then it was off to the races in whack play. One of the most famous plays in BYU football history came on September 22nd when BYU went to Aloha Stadium there in Honolulu, won that game against the Rainbow Warriors 18-13, to but needed every bit that they could muster to win that game. And Kyle Morrell, the play that many probably have seen, came in this game when he dove over the line with Hawaii, seemingly on the six-inch line. They couldn't have been any closer, honestly, to the goal line. He times the snap perfectly, dives over the pile, drags down Raphael Cherry. BYU's defensive line, led by Jim Herman, arrived on the scene to push uh, Raphael Cherry back. Lost yardage. Uh, Hawaii ultimately got three points instead of a touchdown on that play, and it was just an absolutely critical play for one of the closest games of the season for BYU. They were the number six team, barely squeak out that victory, and the national pollsters was took some note of that, dropped BYU to number 8 as they then went to Colorado State won that game over the Rams 52-9, to followed that up with a very tough game against Wyoming, one of the games that BYU also was able to find a way to win. The Cowboys gave BYU everything they could handle in Provo the Cougars prevailed 41-38 to then went to Air Force another team, by the way, Air Force in this era folks, was a national power they were nationally ranked many many seasons during the 1980s, well the Falcons gave BYU everything they could handle as well as BYU held on to win that game 30-25. to So as you're in mid-October at this point, you have overcome a lot of tough games. You've won some games in fine fashion and then the offense really came alive and BYU's defense stepped up. The following week in October 25th, they were the number 5 team in the country, went to Albuquerque, shut out New Mexico 48 to nothing followed that up with a 42 to 9 victory blowout win over UTEP then pasted San Diego State 34 to 3 that got the number 4 in the country then November 17th came BYU faces Utah for their annual rivalry game in the Holy War game was televised locally on KUTV Channel 2, and BYU was the number three team entering this game. They win the game 24-14, to so it was a hard-fought victory for BYU, but then the teams in front of them in the national polls as the number three team lost, and then entering the regular season finale as they went home to face off against Utah State on November 24th in the battle for the old wagon wheel. BYU was for the first time in the season the number one team in the country. They were sitting at 12, uh, excuse me, 11 and 0 entering that game, and BYU took care of business against the Aggies, 38 to 13, to complete the perfect regular season, 12 and 0. As WAC champions with a perfect 8-0 record, BYU obviously got the automatic berth into the Holiday Bowl. And Washington, who was running number two in the country, and plenty of Washington fans will tell you that BYU is an illegitimate champion. Washington should have been the national champion in 1984. And you can tell dog fans to get stuffed about that because the dogs, and by the way, this comes full circle in 2020, considering now Washington fans say BYU ducked the dogs in 2020. There's a lot more to that story than many will ever know. But Washington ducked BYU. They had an opportunity. They were trying to be arranged where number one versus number two would have played in San Diego there in the Holiday Bowl and would have played for that national championship. Well, Washington decided they were going to go, I believe, to the Orange Bowl and instead take that check and traveled across the country. And BYU got to face off against Michigan, a 6-5 and five team who had actually ranked at number two in the country at one point during the year but had suffered all kinds of injuries. Jim Harbaugh, their quarterback, of course, now... Uh, of the San Francisco 49ers 
Stanford and Michigan fame. He was the quarterback for Michigan, and BYU entered that game as the number one team in the country. And in this game, Michigan showed that they were very much a talented team. Robbie Bosco was injured in this game. Uh, we've had him on this podcast, and he talked about the fact that in many other instances, maybe he doesn't finish that game, but he went out for a little bit. Blaine Fowler, who was his backup, came in, but then Robbie Bosco re-entered the game and rallied BYU to a thrilling 24-17 victory, completing the perfect 13-0 season, something BYU had been unable to accomplish in all these years leading up to 1984. You look back at that 1979 season where they had the perfect regular season, lose the bowl game. What might have happened had BYU been able to beat Baylor in 1983, as we talked about on yesterday's podcast? There were some of these losses, one or two plays here or there, and BYU could have put together a number of regular seasons and potential overall seasons undefeated but 1984 accomplished it and in the aftermath of all the other bowl games playing out because the holiday bowl was played before Christmas on December 21st BYU had to sweat it out and wait to see if they were going to be named national champions or if people like Brian Gumble and the whole who have they played Bo Diddley Tech was going to win out and they were going to award the national championship to somebody else As it stood, BYU was named national champions. That came in early January, and BYU celebrates and still celebrates to this day being the only non-Power 5 conference team to have won a national championship in the past 50 years. Will it ever be accomplished again? I don't know. But BYU has the trophy in the trophy case. They deserve it. They should hold on to it. They should crow about it as much as they dang well please. And if you're a BYU fan, I encourage you to do the exact same. A guy who was right there on the front lines literally during this magical season was Mel Olson. We've had him on the podcast recently talking about the Tommy Hudspeth era, talking about Lavelle Edwards taking over as BYU's coach. Well, Edwards in his 13th season wins this national championship, and Mel Olson was his offensive offensive line coach and you're going to hear from Mel about the 1984 season and some of the things about that year here in just a moment. First though let's take a minute and talk about our friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models across all the spectrum of vehicles it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store or the dealership you usually rely on to stock all the parts you need. Why would you endure all the questions and have them order the certain amount of parts that they're contracted with when you can go to rockauto.com and find all the parts available for your vehicle from all the manufacturers and the best part is at an affordable price that's what we love about rock auto they're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years online all their prices are reliably low for every customer and they're shipped directly to your door they've got everything you could ever need everything from brake parts to tail lamps motor oil even new carpet if you guys need anything for your vehicle i would venture a guess that rock auto will have it for you guys and have multiple options available to you Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for all of your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write Locked On or Locked On Cougars in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to check them out. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need. Check them out now at rockauto.com. All right, my friends, today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at First Colony Mortgage. They're a new partner with us here on Locked On Cougars. We've talked a lot about 1984 and we'll continue to do so, but did you know that something else fantastic happened in 1984 here locally? That was the founding 
of First Colony Mortgage in 1984. A convenient start time, especially when you're one of the leaders when it comes to home financing, guys. That is what we love about our friends at First Colony Mortgage. They are a full-service mortgage lender, so that means from the beginning to end, everything is taken care of by the First Colony team. Zach Hicken, a dear friend of mine, is our mortgage officer right here on Locked On Cougars. Any financing you need for your home, Zach can take care of you guys, like I mentioned, from start to finish. He will be with you the entire way. The best part about First Colony, they've got it covered from top to bottom. As I mentioned, they handle everything in-house. Check it out, guys. Whether you're looking to get into a new home, capitalize on your home's equity with a cash-out refinance, or take advantage of low rates that are still available, Zach will be there to walk you through every step of the loan process. You can contact Zach directly at his cell phone, 801-380-0752 or at hickenhomeloans.com. That's H-I-C-K-E-N homeloans.com. Zach Hicken, NMLS 205-2216. First Colony Mortgage, NMLS 3112, equal housing lender. Once again, reach out to Zach on his phone, 801-380-0752, or once again, go to hickenhomeloans.com and get started with our friends over at First Colony Mortgage and celebrate a national championship with their founding in 1984. All right, my friends, as promised, we're going to get to an interview here, a part of an interview I did with Mel Olson, a family friend of mine, a guy I grew up around in Orem, Utah. He was BYU's offensive line coach during 1984, and for the majority of the first 20 or so years of Lavelle Edwards' tenure, he was on that staff. He had a front row seat, was right there in the 1984 National Championship season. Had a chance to talk to him a little bit about that season, what he experienced. So without further ado, here's more from Mel Olson about 1984 and BYU winning it all with that National Championship. That 1984 season will be remembered, obviously, because of that National Championship. What do you think the catalyst was to spur that? You know, it's really interesting when you look back on that because we had had a history when Lavelle started being the head guy and we started winning the conference, you know, we'd go to the bowl game every year and we lost every year, you know, because Lavelle would just say, hey, it's been a nice season and this is a good thing for the players. And then, of course, after it had been a while that we hadn't won, they thought we should, you know, and then we had the, you know, the Miracle Bowl, you know, which was pretty amazing with SMU. But then it's really interesting on the combination when I when they come back and look at that winning the national championship. We played well on offense, but we didn't play great. You know, of course Bosco got hurt and and, and um, Ballard came in and then he came back. But it actually ends up being pretty much the defense at the end who won that game. And I was just up there the other day and it was more of Allen that intercepted that pass that allowed us to to seal the championship, you know. And so it's everybody just kind of doing their job and, and over a long period of time, you would feel that you got there so close, you know. I mean, it's one of those things with with Mark Wilson that we had, you know, 10-1, 11-1. We lost mm-hmm. to Indiana, I think, you know, but, but just a notch away. And so the fact that they had a chance to have the national championship and, and the right team playing, uh, they deserved it. There's no question they deserved it. And, and uh, it was just amazing. I mean, you think, you know, you and I are talking, but you think when you were young or growing up or something, and, and when they were playing in that old stadium at BYU and someone would come and say, hey, Jay, do you think BYU will ever win a national championship? You know, <laughs> you know, you know the world will come next year, you know. But uh, but suddenly it became, you know, a, a happening. It became a bunch of 
individuals, though. So really good on both on both sides of the ball. You know, Marv Allen was a great linebacker, and of course he's a doctor in the area right now. And Leon White went on to play. Kirk Gabay went on to play in the pros. So you you start to get a reputation, and uh, the pros started to like the kind of players we had. But uh, Lavelle brought them all together. You know the fact that they assistant coaches got the football out of them, and Lavelle kept them happy. You know, and, and uh, it was just a nice ride. It was really nice. I mean, you think about Ty Detton and the things that that he did. You know, that Miami game was just unbelievable. You know, but uh, but he's the competitor. You know, and and they all were. You know, I mean, all those quarterbacks we had were just a. You know, Steve Young was a fierce competitor. Of course, Jim McMahon, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's a one of a kind, you know, in <laughs> reference to it. And it's been nice uh, just to see these guys that that played for us or coached here went on to have uh, great careers, too. Because Andy Reid, now he played offensive line for us. And, and then, uh, of course, he's just had a, a great career. But he's so much like LaBelle. It's amazing. You know, we went down to there's or ball ball a year ago and the way he treats the players the way he approaches the game the way he does things you know it's it's the head man so I hope he can continue that and then Brian Billick that played for us you know he's tied in for us mm-hmm. went on and, and won the Super Bowl you know and Holmgren was one of our assistants and so there were a lot of elements that were pulled from the BYU program and they went on to develop them with their philosophy and and their players, and had great success with it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you tell us, so in 1984, I talked with Robbie Bosco about winning the national championship, and he said that he was actually at home in California when he found out you guys actually had won the national championship. You guys obviously played that holiday bowl uh, before Christmas and kind of had to wait for the other bowls to play out. Where were you when right. you found out that BYU won it all? You know, it was really interesting because uh, they – it, it boiled down. They didn't have it set up like they usually do. And we needed everything to come in place. You know, first of all, we needed Oklahoma to lose a game, I think. And then and then Washington was the other one was right there. And so I can remember 12 o'clock at night listening to that game and, and Washington got beat. And so when they had lost the game, then everything, unless it's totally stacked against you, was the fact that BYU was going to win the national championship. I think it was really hard for people the big guy to give up to BYU. But it was going to happen. And then I know that they had a picture of LaBelle. He was down coaching, I think, the senior bowl or something when when he found out about it, you know. So it was just, you kind of dream, you kind of hope, you do everything that you can do. And then it's in the hands of the press that the way it was set up then. And, and it came our way. Did that, in your mind, kind of validate all the building you guys had done to that point to win it all finally? Um, there's no question about that. You know, everything, you know, the fact of win a conference and then basically, you know, you hear Lavelle tell a bowl game. That's what you used to watch on New Year's, you know, and when we actually, and he'll tell you the transition is when we beat Arizona State up here and got invited to that first uh, uh, Fiesta Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that was really big time. And, and the person we've left out and haven't done this intentionally, of course, very shy was the person that came in to throw in the dart. I mean, sure. Jay Miller, you know, you're going to get that when you make the progression, but uh, boy, could he threw the ball. And we had, you know, we had uh, Dewey Warren that came in from uh, Tennessee and he'd always say, hey, we're going to throw the ball, you know. And, but 
Barry Scheide was just in that same link of all these ones we've been talking about. You know, he he was good at what he did, and he threw the ball, and we were wide open. And, and you know, Jay Miller and this group, we had some good athletes. Are there any stories about Lavelle or during your run there at BYU that you don't think have been told that you could tell us? <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting, interesting thing. All the coaches have little superstitions, which are, are totally crazy. And mm-hmm. I think the head man, he'd always say, well, I don't, I don't really believe in superstitions. But we had, I think it was the year we won the national championship, we had these old blue uh, uh, pants, you know. Uh-huh. And suddenly it's a new year. Mikey's in the whole bit. Lavelle's still wearing those, you know. And so coaches kind of have their own superstitions of, of what to do. And then the offensive line coach that I had, he was always superstitious. And so we would eat our pregame meal. And the one time that we didn't eat it in the West Dining Hall, we lost. That's the one we lost to Air Force. So after that, we always ate in the East one. And then even when I got out of coaching, he would always go over to the stadium and he'd walk. And he would look down at the sidewalk and everything. And, and if he'd find some coins, he'd put them in his shoe for good luck. <laughs> and pre- pretty soon our, our offensive line that were chumming him, you know, they'd leave quarters. And he'd come up in the box, hey, man, we're going to do great. And I said, I'll have to have quarters and nickels. And then Lavelle even got to the point of saying, hey, you guys need to chum Roger. <laughs> they'd calm him down a little bit. So, so there's kind of a routine, you know, that, that – we went through, and the great thing about Lavelle is he didn't break the routine. You know, I mean, you would have the pregame meal here, you would do this, and you'd do this, and this is the opportunity to to make it happen. You know, and uh, and you know, we didn't break traditions, especially when we were winning. We didn't we didn't break traditions. So I guess you just get into those habits. But as long as they work, it's okay. You know, if you're, if you're superstitious and, and it works, you know, and then. That's good, but the, the head man always had a good, a good handle on things. You know, they they asked him, you know, because he didn't, you know, if he ever got on an official, it was because they messed up. Because he didn't do that all the time, taking the official. But uh, um, he just fulfilled his role. He turned it over to the coordinators and said, you know, what do you want to do? We always use him as being the man. He decides whether you kick or receive. And we always deferred, <laughs> you know, that was his thing. Yeah. And then he made a decision on when you were going for a field goal. And then he made a decision of whether you go for two or one after the after the touchdown. And those were they had no decisions. Other than that, the coordinators had a chance to have their input. And he could always overrule any of those decisions. But uh, he was very amenable to offense. We know how to win the game or defense. We know how to stop them, you know, so. He was a great guy to work for. He, you know, he's one of those that he handles the little issues that put you in a position to win and be successful, and and then let you let you go do it. There you go, folks. And a little tidbit about the 1984 season. Lavelle Edwards in those blue. Uh, what do you call them? He called them sport jackets, essentially. A little. Uh, 
we call them superstitious about that. Kind of interesting to hear about, but also good to hear from Mel Olson about his experience winning the national championship. And yes, I have worn the ring that Mel Olson has that celebrates that national championship. I can tell you this much. The rings that BYU have for their national championship are so um, understated, in my opinion, as compared to what you normally see for a national championship. It totally fits with the BYU ethos. And I don't mean that in a bad way in any way, shape, or form, but it's very much not what you expect from a national championship ring, but I have worn his national championship ring, and it's something that I will always treasure. Just one of those things that you never get over actually seeing, and I still remember the day I saw it for the first time. I was in his basement. He said, you've ever seen one of these? He pulls it out, and I'm like, what is that? He's like, that's the national championship ring from 1984. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal thing to see and to experience. And to talk to a guy like that, like I mentioned, I've known Mr. Olson, or what I, I, I like to call him Bishop or Brother Olson, known him for years, literally decades of my life. And thank him for taking the time. We'll have more from him as we talk about other eras of BYU football that he, he was involved in, but obviously had to bring him he, in here to talk about the 1984 national championship season. I want you guys to thoughts. If you were alive for the 1984 season, I'm in the interest of full disclosure, I was not born until 1987, so I was not here on this planet for BYU's national championship. But if you guys have memories of that national championship season, I would welcome to hear them from you guys. Reach out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out the show feed, Locked On Cougars, or reach out to me directly via email, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address, or my DMs are open on Twitter as well for my personal Twitter feed at Jacob C. Hatch. Love to hear from you guys, get your thoughts and kind of your memories of 1984. It's just one of those things I think many BYU fans can remember where they were when BYU won it that were alive during this era. And even if you weren't alive, what does that national championship mean to you as a younger BYU fan? It means a lot to me despite not having seen it in person, but I think everybody has a connection to it. Whoever Whatever you might be, whatever your connection is as a fan to BYU, I think you have a connection to that national title. All right, we are a little over time here, but coming up here in just a moment, we'll wrap up today's show with some final thoughts. Uh, A little bit of a tidbit for you guys. We started our position previews yesterday. I always knew that 1984 was going to require a lot more time to talk about in the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. So we will get back to our position previews tomorrow on a Wednesday edition of the show. Just want you guys to have a heads up on that as we wrap up today's show talking about some other tidbits some other news and notes involving BYU athletics here in mere moments today's show though is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Built Bar they are the best tasting protein bars ever folks I love Built Bars. They are my favorite snack. Uh, many of you know that I've been working on my weight loss routine for the better part of four months now. Built Bars have been a big part of helping me get through it. I absolutely love Built Bars. I believe anybody who gives them an honest try will enjoy them. And you guys can go to Built.com right now and place your order. And while you're there, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. That's 15 15% off using the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. What I love about Built Bars is they are healthy for you guys. High protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calories. They're the perfect complement for wherever you might be in your health journey. Trying to lose or maintain weight, you can still indulge in a delicious treat because they legitimately taste like a candy bar. They're soft and easy to chew. They're not chalky or dry as all get out. They are flavorful, folks. They're covered in 100% chocolate. I cannot recommend them enough. So once again, get to Built.com, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order when you get there, and get Get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar. 
All right, my friends, today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online, as they are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, no matter what your interest in sports might be. Future odds on NFL, college, the NBA playoffs, the NBA finals ongoing, uh, baseball, obviously, at the all star break. If you want to prognosticate what the second half of the season is going to hold. I'm sure they've got plenty of prop bets for you guys. You even can bet on the Midsummer Classic taking place tonight. All you got to do is go to betonline.ag now and sign up for a free account. While you're there, you also can take advantage of a special offer that's available to our listeners right here on Locked On Cougars. It is a 50% welcome bonus. 5-0. of whatever you deposit the first time at betonline.ag added to your account. Free money. And all you got to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get to betonline.ag and make that deposit. Really simple, guys. They want you guys to have success in the betting realm. Don't do it with anybody else other than our friends at BetOnline. Take advantage of it now. Promo code locked on when you get there for that 50% welcome bonus. It's all courtesy of our friends at BetOnline as they are your online sportsbook experts. All right, my friends, before we go here on this edition of Locked on Cougars, happy Fisher Jackson Day. We are now 53 days away from BYU kicking off the season down there at Allegiant Stadium. Fisher Jackson is a freshman defensive lineman from Harriman High School, a guy that if he's able to achieve his uh, lofty expectations of him as a preferred walk-on, he could be a rotation player for BYU. I remember seeing Jackson play in the high school ranks. I always thought he was a fine player, and having him on the roster at BYU as a preferred walk-on to steal, frankly, for BYU. And here's hoping that it all goes well for him and he can be the type of player he expects to be for the Cougars. So that time on his side, he's still technically a true freshman. Six foot five, 252 pounds, per, like pretty much ideal measurables as a defensive lineman. Here's hoping he's able to get out on the field and show what he can do to BYU fans, at least in some part, this fall. Other notes before we go on today's show include a congratulations for BYU women's volleyball middle blocker Kennedy Eschenberg. She was named to the 20. 2020-2021 Academic All-American third team selected by Cosida earlier this week. Very much a uh, prestigious honor to be an Academic All-American. Very few student-athletes will ever achieve that level, so congratulations to Kennedy Eschenberg. Also, congratulations to Alicia May Mateo. She was named a WGCA All-American Scholar for Women's Golf. So congratulations to both of them. Getting it done both on the course, in the case of Mateo, as well as on the court for Eschenberg, and also doing it in the classroom as well. Congratulations to both of them on those honors. The final note from today's show I want to pass along to you guys is a congratulations to the entire BYU football program, or at least a vast majority of them. There was an announcement made on social media yesterday that uh, Carl Sokia from the Ohana X family, he's helping BYU student-athletes capitalize on their name, image, and likeness, and by all accounts, doing a bang-up job, hoping to catch up with Carl here in the near future. But BYU signed a team-wide deal, I guess is the way, best way to describe it, with Wallaroo Media, which is giving $20,000 to the BYU football team. I believe over 100 different BYU football players were part of that announcement and $20,000 spread across 100 players is about 200 bucks per guy it's not nothing folks and that's the thing about name image and likeness I think by and large many of these student athletes they're not going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars off their NIL rights but if they can put a couple extra hundred bucks in their pocket 
why not do it? I am pursuing avenues to do that here on the podcast. Not sure ultimately how we're going to pull it off, but we're going to see what we can do. Working with guys like Carl Sokia down the road here and see what we can do to help BYU student athletes out. But if you guys want to be involved with it, would encourage you guys to check out Ohana X, the Built for Life program that BYU has on campus as well. It's a great way to get involved. It's something you're interested in advertising and using BYU athletes as part of it. Give it a shot, guys. But congratulations to Wallaroo Media being the first, I guess, team-wide NIL deal for BYU. And enjoy that 200 bucks for the entirety of the BYU football program, or at least the vast majority of them who have signed up to be part of that. And uh, congratulations, by the way, to Wallaroo Media. They get to capitalize on being one of the first teams or first, uh, what do you call them, advertisers through the door to benefit BYU athletes. All right, that's going to do it for this Tuesday on the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic. Once again, want your guys' feedback on 1984. We'll continue our look back on BYU football seasons. 1985, how do the Cougars do as you try and follow up a national championship? Well, it's nice to have your quarterback back who finished in the top three in the Heisman Trophy balloting. Robbie Bosco's back for his senior year. We'll talk about 1985 tomorrow and also get back to our position previews as well. Until then, have a great day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 13th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you.